Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Thank you for downloading this episode of Under Consultation, which is brought to you in part by our wonderful backers over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod. Our £5 backers have already heard this episode and are now enjoying next week's show a week early and ad-free, which features a record-breaking challenge on Adam's family, more light gun game action, and a triple-decker agony challenge. It might just be the worst episode of Series 2 so far, and you can hear us talk about it right now over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod. Now, on with this week's show. Welcome to the Games Rig. This is Under Consultation, an episode by episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts, Luke Cohen, thrashing games with a well used stick. And keeping those fingers moving, I am Ash Versus. This episode aired on the 12th of November 1992. The Crying Game is still sadly number one of the box office, but more happily, Boys to Men End of the Road is also top of the charts. A banging little tune it is. When you say more happily, when you think about the subject matter of that song, it's not so happy because it was a song about divorce and separation and the pain of the end and death of a relationship. But on the flip side, really propelled their career to the next level. I mean, I was just saying more happily because it just means that we can skip over talking about the crying game. It's a bit more of a happy topic to talk about. I mean, true, (laughs) yes. I think, as we said before, Crying Game, a movie that absolutely deserves dissection, analysis and discussion. But is that the remit of this particular podcast? Oh, hell no. (laughs) Um, And I do not think two white cis males should be having that discussion. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. 
so we haven't got any big game releases because of course we're getting ready for the big big game release of sonic tuesday in a couple of weeks but ash what's going on in the world of the magazines well last time we checked in on the world of magazines we looked at me machine sega back in episode five now that was their launch issue and we're now on to issue two but already there are changes happening in the world of me machine sega because julian jazzman rignall is stepping down from the editor's chair as of next month you'll still be in the magazine but he will now be managing editor mm. on the magazine a position he already holds at computer and video games for a second i thought you were going to say he was stepping down forcefully because of his review of turtles in time no but for a conspiracy theory let's imagine <laughs> that that is actually what happened <laughs> however enter a new challenger or enter an existing challenger rich ledbetter the phone box fiend of the western world will be stepping up as editor Cool. He will be devoting his life to doing all the hard editory type things, like slapping the staff writers around for spending too much time playing the Street Fighter 2 machine in the games room, as well as giving all the designers a dry roasting when they get all the screenshots the wrong way round. No, they could have done with him on the Bad Influence magazine. <laughs> Still, he deserves it, and I'm sure you're welcome into his new job. Jazzman himself will be taking his new role as managing editor seriously. He'll be spending time tracking down the latest CD-ROM software, looking at Sega's new 32-bit wonder console, and also just, I guess, generally going out, traveling a bit more, and doing more features. Strangely prophetic, because of course, we're only a few years off Jazzman leaving the country and moving to San Francisco for bigger and brighter things with Virgin Interactive. Thank you. Welcome to the Games Master Oil Rig, where chap lips and a ruddy complexion are just some of the hardships we endure for a spot of games playing. So while I slip on a bit of anti-chafe, let's go over to the installation's chief red coat, Uncle Games Master. Well, I don't know about you, Ash, but chap lips and a ruddy complexion really are some of the hardships that I have endured to play video games at home during my youth. I'm experiencing it now. <laughs> Doesn't go away. It gets worse with age. Well, uh, Dominic Diamond wants some anti-chaff, uh, and they're really leaning hard into the holiday camp motif of this series in this introduction. This one, they've peppered it out like throughout the series, but this intro really felt like we are hammering home the point. This is a holiday camp on a games rig. I am a red coat, and also Games Master is chief red coat, and he is Uncle Games Master. Do you think some of this came from Dominic's own feelings about the red jacket? He's like, look, I look like a twat. If I'm going to wear this looking kind of like a red coat or the evil man from Del Monte, <laughs> can we at least make sure that there is some exposition to explain why? Yeah. But I kind of like it. It's scene setting, and it's universe building for what there stands of universe building in games master but i dig it i like it and also as we'll discover we're on the uprise of a bit more filth in this show <laughs> yeah we the are. diamondisms <laughs> are returning and it's not just dominic diamond getting in on the game as we're about to discover indeed we are with our first challenger but let's find out from uncle games master what he's going to be playing greetings and welcome aboard the games wig i must say i do admire your pluck in continuing to want to pitch your skills against my challenges. As an erstwhile classic scholar, I felt somewhat duty-bound to introduce you to the world of Greek mythology. Hence, my first challenge is on a game called Myth. If you wish to attain demigod status, you will need to get through the Temple of Apennae in under one minute, 30 seconds. Don't forget to sever the Medusa's head 
as without it you will be impotent against the mighty Hydra, the last obstacle between you and the heavens. I hope this challenge does not expose your Achilles heel. So we're playing Myth, which is a game I've not really come across before. I don't know about you. I remember Myth, but I do not remember this version of Myth. I remember the version that came out for, like, Spectrum, because a friend had it. And I think I prefer the Spectrum version, because the Spectrum version involved time travel. The protagonist was a guy that fell back in time and was going to these different areas and different regions. By the time it came out on the Amiga two, three years later, they'd gone for someone a bit more muscly and kind of period appropriate, so it became a little bit more Jason and the Argonauts and Ray Harryhausen and that kind of sword and sandals fantasy. But then the game had another life when it came out on the Nintendo as a licensed Conan production. So it got even more muscly and sword and sandals fantasy. And it looks stiff to play as well. Like some of the jumps that this lad does, it looks like it was, yeah, it looked stiff is the word that I would use to describe it. Well, speaking of stiff... <laughs> and classically hacking his way through this challenge is an Essex man, Tim Kant. <laughs> Tim. Okay, now Tim, what have you brought down with you here? My joystick. All right. Um, why have you chosen this particular one for the challenge? Well, it's a hard game and a stiff challenge, so to thrash it, I need a well-used stick. Okay. <laughs> and um, how do you feel about uh, ancient Greece, Tim? Oh, well, I get enough in the school canteen. I'm not sure about this. You know. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Indeed, it is because we have got Tim Kant from Essex. Now, Alan, you can't. Well, there's no need for that. Um, and he's got a lovely uh, Sylvester T-shirt on, uh, and he's come down with his own joystick because he says this is a hard game and a stiff challenge and he wants to thrash it with a well-used stick. Which, for some reason, appears to be disguised as a penguin. <laughs> yeah. Like, on my first viewing, I'm like, it's in an old pillowcase. And then on the second or third viewing, I'm like, no, wait, it's a penguin tea cosy? <laughs> Did he bring that with him? Or was it a case of, we want to make this a bit more jokey, what have we got in the canteen, penguin tea cosy, that's fine. Stop Dave Perry wearing it on his head. Take it off him. I think this is all Tim, because Tim is one of the viewers of the first series that got what Dominic Diamond was doing. Because it's, it's funny, like a lot of the people we've spoken to when we, since doing this show have all said, man, I did not pick up on all the dick jokes in, in the early seasons of Games Master, or you know, even throughout its run. But this was a kid who watched series one of Games Master and got the tone that Dominic Diamond was going for, and I think what the, the team was going for. So he just goes in there with the exact same tone and almost the exact same level of humor, because Dominic does laugh at this kid's comments. And then when he says, what do you feel about ancient Greece? Jesus goes, oh, I get enough of that in the school canteen. And Dominic Diamond seems to find himself very charming. <laughs> Yeah, boom, this kid lands it. This kid's got game. This kid's got material. The giggle he, that Dominic Diamond <laughs> lets out, and it is a giggle. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even a chuckle. It's a proper slightly delirious giggle that Dominic Diamond lets out when he lands a dick joke. It's almost like, I can't get into trouble for this one. Someone else is doing it. Yeah. But the school canteen joke was, was measured. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where I did quickly go and check and see if there was a child actor at the time. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, this kid's got game. Yeah. This, this kid knows what he's doing. And it's only a shame that his performance in the challenge doesn't quite match up to his zingers on the mic. Funny you should say that. 
because I actually did find this chap on Twitter. And when I say I found him on Twitter, he found us. When we launched this podcast very early doors, he messaged us saying, I was on Games Master. Here's me in Series 2, Episode 7 playing Myth. And he is clearly had a level of humor that he is stuck with because his Twitter handle is General Shitmeister and his at handle is Gamey McTwat. I like the style. I like the, the fact that he's kept it. He's escalated it. He's grown it. And he's gone post-Watershed. Yeah. <laughs> All things to be admired. Indeed it is. And joining me in the commentary box is Tom Watson from Renegade. Welcome, Tom. Good evening, Dominic. Night, <laughs> Tom. We've got a rather buoyant competitor here. Does he need any tips? Well, I'm not sure Tim does. He's obviously really given the game a good practice beforehand. I think he's pretty confident. Okay, we're not going to give anything away then to Tim. Just to reiterate, Tim has got one and a half minutes to eliminate the Hydra at the end of the level. Well, Dominic Diamond found him charming. Let's see if Tom Watson also finds him charming because he's in the booth from Renegade. Dominic calls uh, Tim a buoyant competitor. And uh, Tom Watson tells us that he was actually quite good in practice. So we'll see if he can manage it now that the, the cameras are on and the pressure is there. I like that they're acknowledging for the most part that there is practice. They don't do it on every challenge. And in fact, some of them I question why they don't do it, <laughs> uh, why they try and maintain a certain illusion. But in cases like this, it's nice. Again, it builds a narrative. It sets a bit of tension as well, because if they're saying he was good in practice, he's got something to live up to. He's got a bar to meet. Uh, and he plays quite smartly throughout this because he he's jumping over the baddies rather than fighting them, which I think is a, quite a smart thing because, you know, he's only got a, a certain time to get through this. And then he reaches this babe, Medusa, as I think Dominic Diamond refers to her as. I mean, as kind of snake-headed, stone-gazing, monstrous, mythological creatures go. I mean, I mean, she's a 10. You know, she's, <laughs> she's kind of a hottie. I, I will... And also, Dominic's out at sea. Take them where you get them. Yeah. Um, at this point here, Tim does manage to slice off the Medusa's head, which he'll need to fight the creature at the end. But at the exact same time that he kills Medusa, he gets killed himself. But... Thankfully, when he respawns, Medusa is still killed. That is a double KO that's just bad luck. There's nothing he did wrong. I would argue that there's just something to do with the frame data or the code that the fire command had already initiated as the sword was doing the decapitation. Technically, I imagine in modern games that wouldn't happen, but as it is 2D pixel-perfect platforms, and this is a pixel-perfect platformer, you don't want to cock up a jump on this game. It was the sort of thing that could very easily happen. I'm glad they didn't make it one life, though, because yeah. otherwise that would have been a tragic, tragic way to lose the challenge. Pixel perfect is the right words to use as well, because when he finally does get to the Hydra, bloody hell, like this is where the challenge completely falls apart because he's just standing there hammering this fire button and he appears to be in the right place. Tom Watson even says he's got the right approach here. He's in the right place to hit them. But every single one of his shots is just whiffing past the Hydra, even though he is millimeters away from him. I mean, who knows how any of us would react when we come face to face to face to face to face with a Hydra. <laughs> but I think he, he does. He goes in there with the tactic that worked for him in practice, clearly. And he does something to adjust his approach. And for a while, he starts to claw it back. The clock is still ticking down. But boom, he eliminates one head. Boom, he starts to focus on the second. But then something happens 
maybe that joystick is too well worn, maybe the sensitivity has been numbed from years of abuse, but he mysteriously just jumps into the air and yeah. drops like a f***ing stone <laughs> off the bottom of the screen. I don't know why. Yeah, he does try to catch himself and sort of like guide his jump back to that bottom platform, but man, it goes tits up. It goes proper nipples north right at the end, and his challenge is over. Nipples north went to school with that guy. Nice lad. <laughs> well, all right, thank you. Not too much applause. That's quite enough, thank you. Now, Tim, you had a really good start, but then uh, things started to go a bit wrong. What I happened? didn't have enough time to get rid of all these heads. I mean, if he's just one-headed normal monster, he would have been OK. Um, well, unfortunately, we can't give you the golden joystick. Oh, well, I've got this one to keep me going. Uh, I like Dominic Diamond stopping the crowd from applauding because they were like, he literally says, not too much applause, please. Effectively going like, look, the guy lost. Let's not applaud him too much. Yeah, he packed it. Don't give him too much. You know, <laughs> save it. You're going to need all your energy because, by crikey, you're going to want to applaud shortly. Oh, yes, you are. Uh, Tim essentially said that he didn't have enough time to beat the monster. And when faced with the revelation that he's not going to win a golden joystick, he said it's fine because he's got his own joystick to take home. One that he is well familiar with and that nestles comfortably in his hand from years of experience. I do like how his, he's still got a one-liner for when he's losing, which is there were too many heads. If it had been a one-headed normal monster, things would have been fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like this kid. I think it's a real shame he didn't win because he is easily one of the most entertaining children that we've had on this show thus far. Yeah, he gets it. He absolutely gets this show. Tonight, it's towel flicks in the showers as we look at sports games. First up on the Master System, a futuristic fracas in Speedball 2. Speedball 2 is a fun, fast and furious game and has converted well from the Mega Drive. I was pleased to see that the gym section had been included from the Mega Drive version so that you could beef up all your players, alter their attributes and make them tougher in-game. It's better than any other game of its type on the Master System. It's highly original and very addictive. So it is Sports Week in the review section. We've got Kate Burge and Damien and Ryan Butt, who I'm going to presume are brothers, not only just because they've got the same surname, but they have got the same rosy cheeks. Or maybe it's just a makeup job. And they're double dipping into the magazine pool because they both work for magazines. They do, yeah. Console XS for Damien and Sega Pro for Ryan. Yeah, but it's sporty games. Towel whipping ahoy. Mm. <laughs> uh, I looked up Kate and I couldn't find anything from her in terms of working on the show. We do have someone. Ne it's next week. We have someone who's one of the researchers fills in for uh, one of the reviewer slots. But I'm not sure about Kate Burge. But as we know from our interview with Duncan Willis, um, who was on episode six, there were just sort of adverts being placed around. So you didn't have to be a games reviewer. You just had to have an interest in games. You could come in, play the games for a couple of minutes, sit down and record a few uh, box pops and off you go. I did get the mild feeling that she was reading very pre-prepared lines and ones that weren't necessarily her own words all the time there was a i guess a flatness to her delivery mm. like she didn't seem terribly invested in the words she was saying for the majority of the time but she filled the role nicely and they all had an easy walk on the first review because even though it's the lowly master system speedball too 
right? We're in Bizarro Land at the moment. Series 1, for love nor money, the Master System could not get a good review. And we had several Master System games get reviewed in Series 1, but no one really cared. Like, we've said it many times, the system was dead by that point. Here we are in Series 2. We've had two Master System reviews, and both of them have had over 90%. This one is easily understandable. It was actually quite difficult to cock up a port of Speedball 2. <laughs> yeah, pretty Most much. Every platform that got Speedball 2 did at least a passable job, and the Master System was one of them. I'd say the bit it suffered the most on was the sound. Yeah. The sound is very pong, it's very blip-blop, but it looks like a relatively accurate port. It's one of those last dying gasps for a platform of those games that come in at the nth hour and give it that bit of a boost. If you had a Master System and you didn't get a Mega Drive for Christmas, but you got this instead, you'd probably still get a good amount of challenge out of it, particularly as they even included the gym and skill trees for your players. That's the sort of stuff that usually gets cut right out of a port when it's shifted down to a outgoing platform. But they didn't do it here. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, like Damien says as much, you know, the gym section has survived from the Mega Drive version. And it is the complete game. It's just a lower, not lower quality, just a lower graphic version of the game. And Ryan says that it's better than any other game of its type on the Master System. Highly original, very addictive, 91%. 91% better than any other game of its type on the Master System, so basically better than Speedball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Because it's a very narrow field. Like games of this type, well, there's Speedball 2 and there's Speedball. And there you go. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. A field of two, but comfortably ahead of the first speedball. The first speedball was also pretty good on the Master System, but as a game overall, it was decks below its successor. Even as recently as the turn of the millennium, it was still making it into the top 50s of greatest games of all time, particularly amongst the UK journalists, because it was the Bitmap Brothers. Yeah. You know, they were golden boys. They were they, they could do very little wrong. Next up on the NES, trade sweaty blows with Fat Boy himself in George Foreman's Knockout Boxing. It's basically just a case of slugging it out against a computer opponent who's super fast and incredibly resilient. And as a result, it's very boring to play. The moves are very limited, and the graphics are very jerky and badly animated. Realism is totally lost, and you can't really get any feel for boxing. I've had more fun watching paint dry. Well, our second game comes from Fatboy George Foreman himself, according to Dominic Diamond, and it looks like a shit version of Punch-Out. No, I, I want to take issue with that. It is a shit version <laughs> of Punch-Out. It doesn't look like it. Yeah. It is it. It doesn't move great, doesn't look great, and really is just selling itself on a name. It almost looks like the, the developers of this game knew that Punch-Out was successful, but figured that it was successful because of the name attached to it and how the game looks. Because it's, you know, got George Foreman's name attached to it, the same as Punch-Out had Mike Tyson. And the way that the game is played is the same, but completely misunderstood the point that it's an arcade experience and it's about learning patterns and it's about knowing what moves to do when in order to defeat your enemies. Like, Punch-Out is a game that you get better at by learning as opposed to just mashing buttons and unfortunately george foreman's knockout boxing looks like 
you're just mashing buttons uh damon says that it's boring to play ryan says that it's limited kate says she's had more fun watching paint dry a very embarrassing 54 percent not a good running for for george foreman's knockout boxing i mean it had 16-bit equivalents as well it was on the mega drive and it was on the super nintendo it also went to the 8-bit side of sega's consoles it went to the master system and the game gear but as a completely different game it was a reskin of buster douglas boxing oh, which is another bad boxing game then again if you're starting with you may as well stick with not everything can turn into carrots <laughs> as we have well learned <laughs> hashtag into carrots you're welcome matthew finally on the mega drive stroke your way from bunker to hole in world-class leaderboard good courses excellent graphics and the animation on the golfer is superb shows you which clubs to use when and how far you should be patting your balls as golfing simulations go this is second only to PGA Tour Golf. And lastly, we've got world-class leaderboard on the Mega Drive. Stroke your way from bunker to hole. Damien says the courses are great. Kate says that you get told which club to use and where to putt your balls. And Ryan said it's only second place to PGA Tour Golf on the Mega Drive. Yeah, I was waiting for them to drop the P-bomb in this one because you can't talk about a golf game at this time and not mention PGA Tour. PGA Tour was the daddy. Yeah. It was the top level. Uh, it's worth pointing out that this was the last in the series of world-class leaderboard golf this was the fourth title so at this point it had some heritage it had some history to draw on and clearly they'd worked a lot of stuff out it is a good looking golf game for this period in time and yeah it's a fairly straightforward review if you get it sounding and looking right it's difficult to screw up a golf game too badly the fact it's got a hint system is always going to help make it accessible to newer players and i'd say speedball 2 i've played speedball 2 i'll still play speedball 2 i've got my slightly hooky rg350 here with me that's got at least two versions of speedball 2 on it <laughs> i've got no temptation to play george foreman's boxing but i'm looking at this golf game and going yeah i, I might get my wood out and uh, give it a quick swing at this one I, I might be tempted by that now for this week's feature as you should know by now the most pant-wettingly brilliant day out in history is nearly upon us yes it's only four weeks until games master live at the birmingham nec on 4th 5th and 6th of december every entertainment imaginable will be on offer including quasar your chance to shoot people in a harmless prank kind of way virtual reality if you've wanted to get stuck into more moist experiences try your hand like this probing fellow here desperately trying to master his thrusting technique there will be arcade games aplenty for you to play as well as the chance to try out the most bottom smackingly beautiful games around and the creme of everybody's creme yours truly will be hosting live challenges just like you've seen on the rig the dates are 4th 5th and 6th of december the place the birmingham nec to book call 021 780 and games master club members get whopping discounts and we don't have a big feature on this week's episode instead it's just more plugs for games master live because it's only four weeks away you can shoot people at quasar there's vr if you want to get stuck in more moist experiences like this probing gentleman desperately trying to master his thrusting technique and there's arcades and bottom smackingly beautiful games filth <laughs> so filthy it's nice to have it back i've kind of missed it yeah 
It, and it's all over this show as well. Uh, and speaking of being all over this show, we want you all over this show because in four weeks' time, we'll be doing a bonus episode on Games Master Live, and we want to hear your stories from the day if you went there. Ash has got his own stories. Uh, Dave Bulmer, who guested on episode two, has uh, shared some stories with us as well. We've been in touch with a few of you as well uh, with your tales from Games Master Live, and we found some really fun features from the magazines written about it at the time. But we want to have as many stories as possible to paint as big a picture as we can. So please do get in touch with feedback at underconsultation.com. Absolutely. Uh, I would love to get as much feedback as possible on this so we don't just have to rely on my bitterness of getting completely shafted for a bootleg <laughs> Game Boy game. It still hurts, man. Because the worst thing was, I couldn't even sell that game. No. Because no game <laughs> shop would take it in. I can't even remember where the damn thing ended up. Well, Ash, it's been fun talking about reviews. It's been fun talking about myth. But let's be honest, we're all in for this episode for one reason and one reason alone. And it's Dick this... jokes. Well, okay. There are two reasons why we are here for this episode. One of them is the dick jokes, and the other one is this celebrity challenge. So let's find out from Games Master what we're playing. For my second challenge, I thought we might make a sortie across the pond for the muscle-bound hyperbole of American gladiators. I've opted for the game's assault course, as I feel that is the event that offers the best combination of the old Olympian ideals of strength, speed, and endurance. Best of luck to you. Now, normally at this point, I would start playing the theme music from American Gladiators for the Mega Drive, but I'm going to have a quick pause here so I can play the theme tune for the British Gladiators. is a fucking great theme song for a TV show. I am looking up at my tape copy of the Gladiators soundtrack, which includes this song and some of the background music from the games oh, on it as well. Amazing. Absolutely cracking. My favourite thing about the British Gladiators TV show as an experience is obviously it was a port of the American Gladiators show. I know Americans that grew up on American Gladiators that have then seen the British Gladiators and have gone... Yeah, your version was better. Oh, way better. Absolutely way better. And not just the fact that we had some very colourful characters on the show. The referee is an absolutely integral part of it. We had the fash. It was appointment Saturday night television. I loved Gladiators when I was a kid. You looked at those crowds in the Birmingham NEC and they were rabid. And that's impressive because, dear God, those were long shooting days on Gladiators. There was a lot of setup time and you had to keep those crowds going. And they did it. And ITV have been desperately trying to find the replacement for Gladiators since it went off the air. It's kind of like how Sony Pictures have been looking for Ghostbusters ever since 1984 and have just been trying various different times to recreate the magic of Ghostbusters, failing every single time. And I feel that ITV, in the same sort of boat, have always wanted gladiators or some variation of that style of show 
back on television screens. The thing that I find most darkly amusing about their desire to get something that can reach those peaks of Saturday night television as gladiators is Sky tried it. Yeah. Sky brought back gladiators and they biffed it. Oh, yeah, didn't they just? I still boggle. Ultimate Beastmaster is an example of how to do kind of a next generation gladiator. It takes itself very seriously, but there are characters, there's a really dynamic set. It's a really electric presentation. But Sky got it all wrong, even when they brought back some of the people that should have made it right. Yeah. And yeah, they biffed it. I think also maybe some of that came from it being on Sky because Sky is never going to get the viewing figures of ITV. In fact, actually, I found an interview with Jet, um, you know, who was the best gladiator. We all know that. And uh, she talked about how they had approached her to come back for the show. And she said that she would do it. Like maybe she could come in for like the final episode of a series run. But it all depends on how the viewing figures do if Casey gets recommissioned for another series. And here we are. We didn't get a Jet return because the viewers did not turn out for the show. She was smart. This challenge we're very lucky to have two of your favorite british gladiators so please welcome jet and shadow <laughs> okay now jet you're giving away a considerable weight advantage to your opponent tonight will this be a problem for you oh absolutely not no. <laughs> <laughs> i know i know you, you you work as a team on the program but are you going to be a little bit competitive tonight oh yes it's a game oh. it's a game Okay, now Shadow, I'm thinking of getting a physique like yours for Christmas. How many hours a day do I have to train? At least four hours a day for um, the next 10 years. Okay, well, I'll start after the show. So we're taking the challenge from the Mega Drive version of American Gladiators. There was never a proper video game of uh, the British Gladiators. Boo. There was board games, which is weird, but yeah. sure. There were action figures. There were actually pretty decent action figures. Oh, yeah. But... Games Master introduces this and he decides to skip all of the build-up rounds and we're just going for the final assault course, which was usually one of the high points of the show because it doesn't matter how far ahead of your opponent you were on points, you could claw it back. There were massive upsets on that. Yeah. The version that's being portrayed in this game is a little bit different from what we were used to, but it has the right, the right kind of feel. Yeah. So first to the end, red player versus blue player. And we have two challengers. We have Jet, who we've already mentioned. And we have a man who was one of the biggest and baddest gladiators of the time and has had a hell of a life before and since. Oof, yeah. We know him here as Shadow. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of alluded it to it there, but he's had post, during, and pre-gladiators, quite the life, really. You know, he grew up in the 70s in New York with a during the sort of the, the drug crack uh, binger of the 1970s and, and had a drug problem himself, but used bodybuilding to help himself get clean and he got married and had kids, joined gladiators where he once hit someone so hard in the game of Jewel that he damaged the stick, which is, I don't want to be the guy that he hit. He was a massive, massive dude. I mean, when he got clean for the first time, so when he moved back to England, he got into bodybuilding. And I think his story, which there are interviews out there with him and it's worth reading, his story, I think, really shows the 
dangers of addiction as a personality type. Yeah, it really is. He got hooked on crack in New York. He managed to kick it, but the problem is, is if you have an addictive personality, you need to find something else. And in his case, he found the gym, mm -hmm. which is not bad. But unfortunately, it led to gladiators, which led to celebrity, which led to nightclubs, which led to recreational drugs and a newspaper expose. And the cycle continues. He didn't just fall from gladiators. He fell so far. He was in and out of prison. He dropped out of contact with his ex-wife, his two kids, his mother. And he was even arrested for using a stolen bus pass. Yeah, he stole an old deer's bus pass and got caught and arrested for that. That is, that is quite the fall from grace as well. And you talk about that, that addictive personality there. I mean, what the, one of the reasons he was fired from Gladiators in 95 was because of steroids. And like, you know, people looking into the show because of that. And it's not only until 2011 that it was reported that he was clean again and he's reconnected with his wife and kids. So that, you know, at least there's, there's a good happy end to this story, but man, he has had some, he's had some troubling times. The thing that I like most about his recovery and where we, as far as we know, he still is now, is he is now working at a drug rehabilitation clinic. He's working with people that have been through the same sort of journey as he has maybe not quite as dramatic in the highs and lows but people that are experiencing the same problems and so we made a few cocaine jokes last week we were caught up in a moment i'm not punching down on this one at all because the fact that he has pulled his life back to a point where he is coping with his addiction because addiction never goes away nope it's always there it's about managing it and finding other outlets for the personality trait so yeah good on you dude i'm glad he recovered and i'm glad he is in a position where he's able to help others now. Completely, and also doing very well for herself is Jet, who, you know, we I kind of alluded to it earlier, but she was probably, outside of the Wolfman, she was the most popular person, the most popular character in the Gladiators lineup of that original run. Jet was, she was a heartthrob to many a preteen and teenage boy and old man um, of which I was, you know, I mean, I was one of those three body types and I was like a Jet fan. She was one of the younger gladiators in the original lineup. She was only 22 when she was cast in the role. And I mean, Shadow as an example was 10 years older. There were other performers that were involved and that became gladiators that were also older. There was some around the same age. I would say that one of the reasons I think she had such a broad appeal, regardless of whether you fancied her or not, is she was wholesome. Yeah. She was stunningly attractive. She still is stunningly attractive, but she had kind of a, um, a less manufactured look. There was a lot of big hair in gladiators. There were a lot of perms. There were a lot of lifts and tucks and everything that you kind of associate with bodybuilding, modeling, and all that kind of thing. That's not to criticize it, it's just part of that world. Then you had Jet, who had hair that wasn't kind of volumed up to the max, it didn't look like a poodle, it fell kind of naturally, and she had the whole Timothee hair flick thing going on. She had a million dollar smile, and as comes across here, she's just warm and good natured. She's yeah. still not too confident on the camera at this point because she's more used to performing in an arena rather than a more kind of intimate setting of a disused oil rig. 
But yeah, she had a look that is far more timeless than many of her contemporaries on that show. She is a great personality as well. It's actually quite remarkable that because she left Gladiators in 96 because of a neck injury that she suffered on one of the live shows that Gladiators was doing when they were touring around. So she left the show because of that and then tried at hand at being a TV presenter and being a TV personality but it didn't take off. And I find that quite remarkable considering how likable she was as an on-screen presence. You would have thought that there would have been a handful of TV shows that would have given her a punt outside of Games World. Something I hadn't realized until I looked into what else she'd been up to was that she co-presented the final season of Finders Keepers in the UK with Neil Buchanan. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about stuff that we're planning to do. We're, of course, doing our Patreon. And as we build more um, Patreon backers, one of the rewards is a bonus podcast where we'll look at other 90s television. I would definitely want to cover an episode of Finders Keepers. And by Jingo, while it's skipping ahead slightly, I would very much like to find an episode of Finders Keepers presented by her and Neil Buchanan because there are two powerhouses of 90s television together and I want it to be good. I want them to have a natural kind of dynamic flair. I really want it. I want to believe, Luke. I want to believe. <laughs> well, you want to talk about powerhouses of 90s television. I once saw Jet in Panto in Reading at the Hexagon and I want to say it was either 1992 or maybe 1993. It's very close to this period of time and it was Jet and Timmy Mallet. Legends. <laughs> I've actually got a Timmy Mallet uh, anecdote that I'll crack out here because there's never going to be a chance to crack <laughs> it out again. Late 90s, one of my first jobs in London after I moved up here was I did telephone support for notorious shonky box shifter of computers, Tiny. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't a great job. <laughs> it was poor wages, poor hours and general poor treatment. But one day... I get a phone call come through and the name on the screen, because I type in his serial number, is Timothy Mallet. Wow. And I listen to the voice and I'm like, it is him. <laughs> it's Timmy Mallet. So I ask him just to do a few first steps because like we all have script. It's not necessarily stuff I'd have asked him to do if I was just troubleshooting it myself, but we have a script to follow. And while I'm waiting for his computer to restart, I wave over my kind of team manager and I point at the screen and he mouths at me, no. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so he goes over to the floor manager and he points at me. And the floor manager has the ability to call up any of what customers we're looking at. And he calls it up and he looks at the screen and then he looks at me and he mouths, no. <laughs> and then I'm like, it is. And so slowly him, my pod manager, and then all the other kind of pod team managers, are, they're, they're dialing into my call to listen to me give telephone support to Timmy Mallet. And you know what? I dealt with a lot of frustrated customers on that job. I dealt with a lot of people that wished a curse upon me, and understandably so. They bought a terrible computer. I didn't like working for that company, but he was an absolute gent. Oh, that's he was good. charming. He was kind. Unfortunately, we couldn't resolve the issue on the phone, and I did book him an engineer to go out, which I did get a slight telling off to, because apparently I should have asked him to take a call back from a kind of escalation team. But you know what? I wasn't going to shortchange like a childhood hero. I got to do telephone support for Timmy Mallet. And while I couldn't fully resolve the issue, I got him on the right path. And I hope it worked for him. <laughs> oh, the, the panto that I went to, it, I believe it was Aladdin. I want to say it was Aladdin. Um, which, and, and I'm almost certain it was 
because the movie had come out and had been a big hit, which makes me think that maybe it was 93 then. Um, but I wanted something from the merchandise stall. And what I really wanted was a Timmy Mallet Mallet because they had them there for sale. But they were, I believe, if I remember correctly, about £20. And my mum and dad just refused to buy one. But they did allow me to buy one piece of merchandise. And that one piece of merchandise was a giant badge of jet from Gladiators. And it cost one pound. That is not bad. And do you know what? That's probably aged slightly better than a mallet's mallet. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Probably. It's a big old badge as well. It was in my room for a long time. Amazingly enough, while we're telling anecdotes about celebrities from the 90s, I also have an anecdote about lightning from Gladiators, um, because I was on a Butlins holiday, which actually you know, ties in with uh, the series of Games Master as well, with the red coats. But I was on a Butlins holiday with my uh, cousin and his family, uh, my aunts and uncles, and lightning and, oh, I want to say it was Hunter, who was also a blonde lad, I think, from Gladiators. Yeah, he was. Yeah. They were doing these sort of like, signing things you could go there and you could just get your photo taken with some of the members of gladiators and i didn't join the queue and instead i just hopped up onto the uh stage walked over to lightning because my cousin was getting a photo taken with him while he was there getting his photo taken with hunter i just sort of hopped up onto the stage um and i the reason why i wasn't in the queue is because my parents would not pay for me to get the photo taken i just hopped up onto the stage and asked lightning if i could get a kiss on the cheek and she gave me one because she was an absolute star man do you know what that's a beautiful anecdote but cuss on you for queue jumping that's despicable <laughs> behavior but also i appreciate your ingenuity and just the sheer bare cheek oh yeah so to absolutely. speak you, uh, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take if you'd like to see who wins this gladiatorial combat between jet and shadow join us after the break for nine weeks from this arena 24 contenders will battle in epic competition such as you've never seen before Gladiators won't pick up people their own size. It's everyday people from all walks of life that will take on the might and muscle of ITV superheroes. It's family fun, but competition's electric. The perils of the war. The clash of the atmospheres, the awesome danger zone, the high-flying swing shot, the arm-wrenching hang tough, the brute force of duel. ever special event sports entertainment series starting next saturday if you want to be part of the action you'll need one of my six gladiators metallic action cards there's the awesome jet the powerful shadow and the mighty wolf 
Free on special packs of Kellogg's Frosties. They're great. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Thank you so much for listening to this show. We really hope you're enjoying this episode of Under Consultation so far and all of our Gladiators chat. There's more to come, friends. And if you want to help support this show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod and help us reach our next target, which is to release another podcast reviewing other 90 shows like Gladiators in the same Under Consultation style. That's patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod back at the £5 level to get next week's show right now without this annoying bit and back at the £10 level to get a super sweet merch bundle. That's patreon.com forward slash under console pod. Wolf is saying how much he likes his gladiator duel game. Oh, he thinks the figures are great too. Especially the good looking one. Gladiator duel and gladiator figures. They're from Hornby and they're wild. Tonight we are playing the American Gladiators game. We're on the assault course and we have two of your favourite British gladiators, Jet and Shadow, about to tackle it. With me in the commentary box is Gamesmaster's very own Stephen Carsey. Welcome, Steve. Good evening, Dominic. Now, any tips for Jet and Shadow tonight? Well, it's all about stamina. It's all about stamina. Someone once very special to me said, keep those fingers moving. <laughs> Back from the break, we have got Stephen Carsey in the commentator's box with Dominic Diamond, where he says this is all about stamina. You've got to keep those fingers moving because this is one of those track and field type games where you have just got to mash them buttons to try and move your character. And it is... It's a it's a game of endurance as well. I mean, I'm not going to use the word skill, but it is certainly a game of endurance and stamina. Yeah, so someone very special to him once said, you've got to keep those fingers moving. 
<laughs> Why is it vice for life, I think? Exactly. Filth quota, still high on this episode. I think the highest we've had for season two thus far. Totally, yeah. I mean, we've even made comments that it's been quite low uh, throughout season two. But yeah, they've brought it back with a plum for episode seven. So they're playing this on the Mega Drive, but they're using arcade sticks, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, we, we cut to a shot as they asked if they're ready. And you can see they've got the Mega Drive arcade sticks, which... They were actually really nice sticks. They were comfortable. Yeah, I really wanted one of those arcade sticks as well, particularly after my brother and I got Street Fighter 2 Special Championship Edition. I really wanted an arcade stick for home. When I got Street Fighter 2 on the snares, and particularly Street Fighter 2 Turbo, I really wanted an arcade stick. I thought it would make me better at the game. I got an arcade stick. It did not make me better at the game. <laughs> and even now, I've got an arcade stick. And my Street Fighter of choice is Street Fighter 4. I'm still better with a pad. Not a traditional PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4 or Xbox pad, but the kind of the Mega Drive style six button pad. Yeah. That kind of where you've got a D-pad and then you've got your Core 6. That I'm great at. And I know there are some purists that will tut at me and, you know, probably throw down a curse on me. That's fine. I just use what I'm comfortable with. Well, we've got Jet in blue and Shadow in red. And right at the start, Jet gets stuck. She just gets stuck on these little bicycle pulley things where you've got to move yourself around. And the pair of them are slower getting off of this, but Jet really, really struggles to get off of that to the point where they have to say, We've only got about six more inches left, but that could seem like a, a no, mile or two to some people. You're just six inches from the end there, Jet. Apparently that can feel like a mile to some people. <laughs> Dick jokes. Dick jokes. So you mentioned, and we spoke a little bit just a few minutes ago, about the fact that they were using arcade sticks. But during the challenge... And kind of just after the whole six inches can feel like a mile joke, they cut back to them. And it's a kind of a two-person shot showing Shadow, who is just staring dead ahead. He is focused as f And Jet, who is no longer holding a joystick, she is now switched to a Mega Drive pad. Wow. That's... Yeah, I didn't spot that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we're just looking back at the footage. You're absolutely right. Now, the main reason I think I noticed this is because she is now applying a very interesting technique to button mashing, which I can only liken to angrily removing the coating off a scratch card. <laughs> She's kind of running her thumb down the pad like kind of in a stroking. It's like she's angrily petting a cat. <laughs> she's just like mashing it and she's holding the joypad at a 45 degree angle. It's an interesting technique. Mm. It's, it's not working. No, it's it's, it's not, not helping her in the slightest. No, uh, bringing back the uh, topic we talked about uh, last week with Mafu, which is uh, the tactic I used to apply for Royal Rumble on the Mega Drive, which is to pinch your your first finger and your thumb together so you can just rub them across A and B like that, as if you were scratching off a scratch card, like holding onto a 20p piece. Uh, and that is the tactic that I would use for these sorts of games. Jet pretty much only gets to the second part of this before Shadow wins. Like Shadow just races through this thing and absolutely wins. But I'm now wondering if that she loses time because they switch over the pads. I think there were multiple takes and I know why I think there were multiple takes because if you watch the finish of this, Shadow does kind of get to the end and that's fine. He's only got one second left on the clock. Oh, he I doesn't, see. Yeah. He doesn't make it like with time to spare. So I'm wondering if they just both biffed it repeatedly yeah. and we had two or three takes and eventually Jet's like, can I just have a joypad? <laughs> or, or maybe one of them broke the stick. 
maybe Shadow just kind of snapped the damn thing in half and they're like, okay, one of you's going to need pad Shadow your hand to kind of like meet gloves. <laughs> so we'll keep you with the stick and we'll give Jet the pad. And there you go. But as amazing as this challenge is to see these two icons of 90s Saturday night television, it's a fucking awful challenge. It's a rubbish game. I think it's part of the problem. It's just, it's not, it's, you'd think it'd be quite interesting to watch, but it's really not. Shadow wins, and as, you know, with maybe three or four takes behind him, but it's not a confident win, and both of them get stuck, and both of them mess up certain sections. Rather than play this kind of turgid, licensed game, they could have played a different kind of gladiatorial game. They could have played Speedball 2. Speedball 2 is kind of close to Powerball. I don't think Powerball had come into Gladiators at this point because I don't think it was an original series game, but it was that kind of weird cross between rugby, basketball, different points. And to be honest, it probably would have been slightly more interesting to watch and easier to edit. They yeah. could have still done two or three takes, but it wouldn't have looked as kind of janky as this where there were moments where, you know, Jets just literally hanging there and it's not even hanged off no <laughs> yeah and it's uh, maybe it's just because i enjoyed last week's challenge so much i almost think i'd have preferred this if it was someone from the audience or one of, like a contestant playing against one of the gladiators on this game you still would have got your promotional things this is clearly like there to promote the series of gladiators like we get in next week's episode as well was there to be a promotional tool mm -hmm. but i think i'd almost prefer it to have been that as opposed to the two of them competing against each other i do wonder if maybe there was a i don't know a certain marketing agreement that it had to have two of them on there and they couldn't i mean because that's the thing even though one of them loses they're losing to another gladiator mm. they're not losing to ryan who's nine <laughs> you know they're not they're not ruining the illusion yeah. wwe didn't give a shit about hacksaw so they were fine they were fine with him losing to a child okay now jet you made a brilliant start you were first up the slope then then what went wrong well what can i say just watch next week's gladiators and make sure i don't go wrong in the real <laughs> thing boys <laughs> you have to watch those bicycle pulleys at the end there. i think that, that was what really floored you it's quite quite tricky the controls for that isn't it it was and it's finger power and it just wasn't there. Okay, well it was there for you, Shadow. Well, let's talk about finger power. I have all the power and fingers, uh, what can I say? Okay, um, perhaps in the future we can have a rematch between the two years. Will for you sure, be up for it? For sure, for yep. sure. Uh, and she says that we should all watch next week's Gladiators and hopes that she doesn't fail at the real thing. Uh, she just didn't have the power to get through this, but Shadow did, and it was all in those fingers. And Dominic asked if we can get a rematch at some point, which Shadow says he'd love to, and he would come back for Series 3. Yeah, this will not be the last we see of Shadow. Also, while still, as we said, not the most comfortable on camera just yet, he knows his marks. When he wins, he knows which camera is live, and he points at it and then fist pumps in the air. Yeah. It was a terrible game. They were great guests. Wholesome. It Absolutely. was fun. It had yeah. the same sense of fun that you get on a Saturday night with gladiators uh yes yeah, so we do get shadow coming back for series three along with falcon cobra and scorpio and cobra and panther also come back for series five jet doesn't return however diane Udale will return she comes back as the game's mistress from games world yes the guys that she comes back in will be quite different hello <laughs> <laughs> games master welcome to the helipad how can i help you in zelda 3 i can't defeat ganon a surprising lapse if i may say so Follow these instructions. Light both torches in the bottom corners of the screen and then freeze Ganon with your sword. 
then shoot a silver arrow into his miserable hide and repeat the process six times to finish him off once and for all. Thanks a lot. Well, here is a game that is going to come up a lot through Series 2 and onwards, because I, I think in the final episode of Series 7, like the very final episode of Games Master, they even do like a supercut of people asking about this game. And it's not Zelda Link to the Past, it is more colloquially known as Zelda 3. And the first kid to ask about Zelda 3 can't beat Ganon right at the end of the game, and Games Master takes you through how to complete the game. And it is quite amazing that they just showed the end boss of this game nowadays you'd have people screaming spoilers i know at the screen but maybe we were a bit different back then i mean to be honest ganon being the final boss in a zelda game isn't really a spoiler no it's like trying to claim that there's a shark in jaws is a spoiler you know <laughs> it, it's not <laughs> i have a lot of love for this game it's still probably my favorite zelda game and i remember the immense satisfaction i got when i first got to this part and when i beat ganon but no we see a lot more of zelda 3 and it's because it was a massive game huge i've completed castle of illusion i can't find any of the secret levels do you know where they are don't question my knowledge it irritates me from the start go through the middle door After you've met the first clown, don't go up the ladder, but instead pick up the block and throw it near the toy train. You should now be able to jump onto the cloud of smoke from where you can access a secret level. Thanks very much. Well, speaking of games that you loved, I absolutely love Mickey Mouse's Castle Illusion. And this is not the Mega Drive version. This is the Master System release of this game, which is actually very different to the Mega Drive one. So as I've mentioned a few times on this show, Castle Illusion was a game that I got with my Mega Drive on for Christmas 91. And I played the absolute heckins out of it and will still play the absolute heckins out of it to this day because I love it. And because it, I didn't have a Master System and I didn't know anyone who had this game, I didn't get to actually play Castle Illusion for the Master System until my mid-twenties or so, and then was delighted to find out that it was a totally different version of the game. But this is... I mean, this section here, this bit, this is bullshit, because this kid says that he's beaten Castle Illusion but cannot find any secret areas. Games Master says, don't question my knowledge, it irritates me. And then he says, you go to the Toyland, and instead of climbing the ladder, you ride the smoke to a secret area. That is not the secret area of that level. That is how you finish the level. If you climb the ladder, you go to a dead end and you just get an extra health point to help you throughout the rest of the game. So riding the smoke, just that's how you do the second level. You can't finish it any other way. Maybe this is Games Master reacting to someone questioning his knowledge. Maybe he's like, I'm going to throw you a lemon. <laughs> Screw you, you little brat. How dare you? question my mastery of such games <laughs> fine you'll go home thinking that you're gonna watch this in a couple of months time and you'll get some great extra knowledge but no you're gonna look like a chump because you are a chump <laughs> this is me emoting as the games master i don't think the kid's a chump maybe i do sod it who knows <laughs> in far and ice i've heard there are loads of hidden levels but i cannot find them yet can you help me please there are indeed numerous hidden levels on fire and ice I'll divulge the first in the ice world. 
To get there, you will need to pass through two warps. The first is to the far right of level two, and can be reached by shooting invisible bonus blocks. Once you've been walked to the next level, walk right where you'll find a cave and another hidden bonus block. Simply jump onto the block and then into the air to reach the secret level. Thanks, Games Master. Well, what is a secret level is this one on fire and ice, where to get to the ice world that we saw in episode four, you've got to go through two warps, as the uh, our chap Kawinda was talking about. First one is to go to the far right of level two, shoot the hidden blocks, walk right into that area, and then shoot more hidden blocks to get taken through to this secret level, which is the one that we saw in the challenge that Kawinda absolutely bollocksed. And as far as I can tell, we're looking at the Mega Drive version of this game because our hero is wearing trousers. So there's no chance he will be confused with Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> well, it's time for our final challenge of the evening. So let's head on over to Games Master to find out what it is. Tennis is the game, and Super Tennis is my choice for this particular challenge. I've decided to plump for traditional grass and to make it the best of five games only. An aggressive serve and volley game could pay dividends. Please. Right, I don't have a lot to say about Super Tennis because I've never actually played the game. But I have played a lot of tennis games over the years. I bloody love a tennis game. This looks like a fantastic tennis game. And this is a f***ing brilliant challenge. I am so on board with you on this one. I was worried because we've had more than our fair share of sports challenges and we do get a bit of burnout on them, particularly in season one where it's every goddamn celebrity <laughs> challenge pretty much is a sports challenge. But Super Tennis is an amazing choice. Over here, at least in the UK, it was immensely well received. It was a brilliant game. It used Mode 7 as well. It was one of the first um, couple of sports games to really embrace that, the other being Super Soccer, which is a much, much inferior game, and I'm glad they didn't go for that. <laughs> but yeah, Games Master announces we're going to be doing Super Tennis. He's chosen grass, haven't we all? And, um, and we're off. I got hit with waves of nostalgia seeing this game come up because I remember playing this and I remember it being an okay experience single player, but multiplayer, that's where the magic lies, as this challenge shows. It's also worth pointing out, we've got a lot of time left on the clock for this episode, so you know this is going to be a big old challenge. I would argue it's the longest two-person challenge we've had in the show up until this point. And flying out for a few firm forehand strokes tonight, we have Jason Pickford and Tristan Grove. Welcome, Tristan. Now, Jason, what tactics are we going to see from you tonight? I'm going to try and take him out on the strongest serve. On your strongest serve. You yep. think that'll do the trick? Yeah, hopefully. Okay, Tristan, you've had slightly more experience on the game than Jason. Does that make you the favourite? I think so, yeah. I'm going to whip his ball straight into shape from that baseline. Okay, then. We've got Jason Pickford and Tristan Grove playing this game, with Tristan being the early favourite to win this because he's got slightly more experience, uh, and he's going to whip his balls into shape. Um, <laughs> and we've also got Dominic Diamond saying that we're flying out with a few firm forehand strokes. Hmm, I wonder what he's possibly referring to there. Wanking. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, well, Jason, I'm not too happy about the old shell suit bottoms there, to tell you the truth. So I'm going to let Tristan call the toss. Call, please, Tristan. It's heads, Tristan, so you can choose. Do you want to serve or receive first? 
Okay, Tristan, would you like to take the right-hand seat? Jason in the left, we'll get ready to serve. What Dominic Diamond doesn't like, however, is Jason's shell suit bottoms. So he allows Tristan to get the coin toss call. Uh, he picks heads and picks serve. I can entirely see where Dominic's coming from. The last thing you want on that games rig is something as fire risky as shell suit <laughs> bottoms. There's enough health and safety risks on that platform. And joining me for strawberries and champers tonight is Jeremy Dolby from GameZone. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you doing, Dominic? I'm very well. Now, the two people they've picked, Phil and Matt, tell me a bit about them. Well, Phil is the best all-rounder, right. best range of shots. Matt, though, is very strong from the baseline. Okay, then. So we might have a net baseline battle here. Are our two competitors ready? Well, we've got Jeremy Doldry from GameZone in the commentary box. Uh, I, I think Jeremy's my favorite co-commentator in this series, along with Stephen Carsey. I just really like Jeremy's style, and I like the way that he bounces off of Dominic Diamond. And I think the two of them are absolutely brilliant in this in this challenge. And uh, they talk through the two characters that were chosen. Uh, we've got Phil and Matt. Phil is probably the best all-rounder in the game. But Matt is very strong from that baseline that was mentioned before. Yeah. So we've got Jason playing as Matt and Tristan playing as Phil. And my first note on this is, f***ing hell, Tristan really wants to win this game. I tell you what, I thought Shadow was focused. <laughs> Ooh. Holy hell. This guy needs to chill. This guy, this guy needs some of that chamomile tea from the first season. He is <laughs> into this and he is very frustrated. He's yeah. an early, early rage quitter. He, he, I, you know, he would not last five seconds on Xbox Live today. It did make me pull for Jason a little bit because Tristan, like, yeah, he goes up thirty nothing, uh, but then he gets out, and then it's thirty fifteen. They rally. Jason brings it back to thirty all. Then he goes up four thirty and breaks the serve, and Tristan is gutted. And at this point here, he's gutted but becomes more and more frustrated as the game goes on, particularly when Jason picks up the second game and Tristan's down two to nothing. And he is really, really starting to get annoyed now because Jason bossed it through that second game. He's clutching his head. He's punching his thigh. He doesn't quite throw down the controller, but maybe there's some footage somewhere of him rage quitting, as I said. <laughs> but it tells a story. Yeah. It really does, because as Jeremy says, right, I think Tristan's going to have to come from behind now. He's honest. Tristan will need to come from behind now. And you talk about that Dominic Diamond giggle that he had earlier on in this show with uh, Tim Kant. <laughs> Dominic has the exact same giggle there when Jeremy says he'll need to come from behind. We got away with the sodomy joke. Hey! hey. So yeah, Tristan does manage to pull this one back and wins the third game and honestly looks relieved that he didn't lose 3-0. He so wants to win this. And then he donkey drops over the net to go up 0-15 in this. Uh, and then they just have these amazing series of rallies with Tristan getting the win. And he actually cheers when he gets the win to bring him back to 2-all. This is probably one of the best sports games we've had on here so far. Totally. I, I wish the crowd was a little bit more into it than they actually were, but them's the breaks. You don't know what else they'll be, they've been filming that day. You don't know how long they've been there. This could be the last one of the day. While I wouldn't say that what we're seeing is mastery of the game, it's entertaining as hell. And some of those volleys are, you know, just beautiful to watch. And there are so many near misses. There's so many only just reaching the ball or only just making the return or whiffing the net. It's gripping and so we do end at two all and we're down to the final set i'm not sure you could have rigged it that well because it's natural drama 
Yeah. And even better than that, not only are we at two all and we're down to the final game, this final game comes down to deuce and they have to go through a series of advantages. It's really, really great. And I mean, I feel bad for Jason because Jason cocks this massively in the final game. He goes up 30 nil and Jason then gets himself out a couple of times to bring it to 30 all. Jason can't respond to get to 430. And then Tristan cocks it and freaks out to get take it into deuce. It's racked with tension. I'll be honest, I'd have rather have seen Jason win this but there is no shame in the performance he put on overall. Neither of them. Well, yeah, Tristan perhaps needs to chill out a little bit. They produced one of the most out-and-out entertaining final challenges we've had this series so far. And you can tell how long ago it was that I watched this episode and took my notes because I've written here, Tristan wins the match. He's so happy. Does he grow up to become Ninja? Because it was at that time I wrote this when Ninja had that tweet about why bother playing games if you're not going to win. And everyone kicked up being like, mate, it's it's not just about that. It's also about having fun. And the thing is, Jason may have lost. He came across better on the screen. Yeah. I bet you Tristan got more stick despite winning the joystick. Like he'd have got, like people would have probably teased him for the tantrum-y behavior. And <laughs> I mean, maybe that wasn't legit. Maybe he was playing it up because he knew the camera was there. It was very theatrical. Yeah. Or... Yeah, maybe he's just a bit brattish. Who knows? Well, you say that as well. We do uh, know, uh, we try not to look too much ahead on this show, but we do know that Jason comes back. He comes back for another challenge in Series 4, I believe. Oh, wow. I'd forgotten that. What a challenge! What an absolute stonker of a game. Listen, Jason, you tore ahead at the start, 2-0 up. You were, you were the unfancied one out of both of you. It's not just because of the, the Chelsea bottoms, but just generally. Then what happened? You started to crumble slightly. I'm not happy with the umpire. I think there was a few shots that were in that weren't counted. Oh, a little bit unhappy there. OK, let's go over to the victor. Well, any comments about the umpire? Oh, I think it was perfect umpiring. Oh, you I'm, were. I'm really? sure of it, yeah. So Dominic calls that an absolutely stonker of a challenge. Completely agree there, DD. Uh, and says that Jason stormed it ahead, even though he wasn't the favourite not just because of his shell suit bottoms. And savage fashion analysis from the guy in the red blazer. <laughs> uh, Jason blames the umpire for a few of the calls. And, you know, I think I might be on your side as well there, Jason. And he thinks that he had a few shots that were in that the umpire called out. Tristan, on the other hand, thinks it was perfect umpiring because he won. Difficult to argue with that logic. <laughs> so that brings tonight's show to a close. The divers come to beckon me towards the canteen to sample Auntie Marisha's latest tea time extravaganza. It's shark fin thermidor tonight. I can hardly contain myself. So we'll see you in seven days. Good night. Well, on the menu tonight, we've got shark fin thermidor, which he can't hardly wait for. And yep, I mean, it's a running theme for this series. Can't eat that one. No, it looks like it's another fasting week for both of us. <laughs> Going to starve to death on this game's rig. But that was episode seven of series two. Ash, what did you think? When I first watched this episode for my initial run through, before I even took notes, I was a bit down on it. I think especially because I found the Gladiators challenge to be immensely underwhelming. Mm. Like it, it just it didn't click with me. And I watched it and I made notes. And then I watched it again. And at that point, it clicked. At that point, I had a great time with this episode. It's not a classic, but it's good. Yeah. And a lot of it rides on that third challenge. First challenge, so-so. Second challenge, good hit of nostalgia. But challenge itself, so-so. Okay, review zone. 
okay consultation zone but then that third challenge just brings it all home and again is games master being really at the top of its game it's being really good really entertaining really compelling so what initially for me was going to be quite a low episode i don't know just by changing frame of mind i'm now thinking not stellar it's not going to be a 90 odd percent but it's still a good episode yeah i'm in agreement with you on that one i wasn't overly enamored with it the first watch through and you know, I think the first challenge is lifted by Tim Kant's interview at the start and sort of in the, the, the post-game. I enjoyed the American Gladiators challenge just for the nostalgia factor of having Jet and Shadow on the show, and I thought that Jet was a really, really wonderful screen presence. But the challenge itself was a bit of a stinker. The review zone did very little for me. The consultation zone wound me up because they lied about Castle Illusion, and which I wanted an actual hint on that one. And it's completely saved with that final challenge we don't get a feature but we get an extra long final challenge and i think i would take that over the you know in terms of the lack of feature so it's not in the 90s for me either i'm actually going at 82 percent for this one and that is mostly around that final challenge and jet from gladiators i agree on its short fallings in addition to the presence of the gladiators and that final challenge, also the, the extra smarty humour didn't hurt. No, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a throwback because while we've had some very compelling episodes, we've also been playing it far cleaner. Mm -hmm. This, yeah. really not. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of Under Consultation. You can find us on the old Twitter machine at underconsolepod and on Instagram at under.console. And if you want to hear next week's episode a week early and ad-free, you can do so by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod. And by backing us on Patreon, you'll also be helping us move towards that aforementioned bonus podcast where we look at other 90s television shows, including Gladiators. Oh, yes, please. That'd be great. So yeah, head on over to patreon.com forward slash under console pod and help support this podcast. But you are also supporting it by giving it a listen. We very much thank you for downloading this episode. Give us a subscribe and a review if this is your first time to it or if you haven't done it already. And we're going to tuck into some Sharkman Thermidor or at the very least push it to one side while we wait for the vegetarian options to arrive. And we will see you in seven days. Take care. Good night. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.